Welcome to Bull by the Horns with Giles Vickers-Jones. Hello, I'm Giles Vickers-Jones and welcome to Bull by the Horns sponsored by Shy Aviation. Each week, I'll be sitting down with a hugely successful individual who has taken massive risks to reap incredible rewards. I'll be asking them how success has affected their careers and what inspires them to keep on taking risks. If you like what you hear, then please make sure you subscribe to the podcast. This week, I caught up with serial entrepreneur and owner of Dove Haven Nursing Homes, Mr. Mark Gilbert. So I'm actually sat in Jubilee in this beautiful home overlooking a stunning golf course. And I'm actually sat here thinking, Christ, is this what success brings you? And I guess it is. Um, is this how you saw yourself ending up, Mark? Um, I, well, I was originally uh, in the property world. Property's my background. So to be, to be in a nice property is, is, sits quite well with, with, I suppose, what I've achieved in life. So this is all about uh, success and how you've achieved it. And so let's go back to the very beginning. So you've now, I'd say you're probably, what, one of the largest care home operators in the north west of England currently? Well, yeah, we're probably one of the largest independent in the country. In the country? Mm. And growing at a phenomenal rate, I mean, you've been in the business now for, in care homes. 30, for, 35 years. But how did it start? Because, I mean, people, well, they won't know this yet, but you're an architect, right? Uh, chartered surveyor. Chartered surveyor, which is better than an architect by all accounts, right? <laughs> well, so an architect's want to be chartered surveyors. Mm. Am I just talking bullshit here? Uh, possibly. <laughs> yeah. Possibly. Okay, so how did it all begin for you then? Because you, you kind of known you're going to have this huge empire. Well, I mean, I, st- I, I left school uh, with O-levels, A-levels at 18, thought about going to university, mm-hmm. but didn't really... I was too impatient. I, I, I wanted to make money, desperate to make money. So I, I started life as a trainee, chartered surveyor, um, working in a, a, an estate agent's office. And I, I worked hard. Um, I don't want to give you my life story, but qualified as a surveyor. And um, no, tell us. I want to know. Oh, okay. Well, there's, yeah, okay. I, I, I ran a couple of offices. Um, At this point, though, it wasn't your business. No, I right. was an employee, uh, and worked very hard. Had two or three jobs. In fact, started up my own property company as well as training to be to be a surveyor. Uh, got married young, age twenty two. Uh, had children at 25, doing, I did my charter surveying as a correspondence course with the College of Estate Management in Reading. So I was working seven days a week, 10, 12 hours a day. But when you're that hungry and, and driven, I was incredibly driven. Driven to do what though, when you were working make, To make money. Right, to make money. To make money. money. Desperately wanted to achieve and to, uh, and to make money. Mm. And I became a partner at 25. Okay. In a, in a, we had 10 offices. I mean, that was a difficult transition in itself because I was an employee earning quite a bit of money. Um, I was offered a partnership. And then along came the Toxteth riots. The, these offices were in the northwest. Toxteth riots, Derek Hatton. I don't know whether people remember that. And then we had the bin strike. So in the first year, I sat down with the partners and they said, uh, you actually owe us £20,000. Oh, no. She's put money back in to keep the business going. Well, I've had to borrow So they're giving you equity and now you're, you're, you're on the hook for it as well. That's right. So that's so, what people don't realise. It's when you've got equity in a business, it's great when you've got the upside. 
But then when you got the downside, you got to put money in. Yeah. So I should have stayed as an employee. I would have earned more money as an employee than as a partner. Oh, I see. But anyway, we, we, we worked our way through that and then we had a couple of good years. And that, then I got my first first break. Um, we sold the business in 1988 to the Abbey National uh, State Agency, yeah. Abbey National Building Society. Yeah, crikey me, they were state agents, weren't they? Well, they went into it for uh, for a while. They put hundreds and hundreds of millions into it. Right. Made, a, made a bit of a mess of it. It, it uh, was compounded by 91, the, the property industry took a bit of a dive. And like a, it's a good lesson there. There's a lot of companies, you know, if something doesn't work, they, they chop the arm off. They're very ruthless about things like that. They, they say, right, this is not, we, we tried this, we spent X hundreds of millions, it's not going to work, and uh, they, they let it go. Is this something you take on with your work as well? I think... I, mean, I don't know, want to pivot too yeah, quickly, no, but... Flogging a dead horse, you know, it's an old saying, but if something isn't working and you're putting a lot of effort into it and continually putting money into it, yeah, maybe you should look at doing something else. How long would you? So let's say you got an idea and you're pivoting to something new, but it's really within what you do, right? So at that point, you're surveying, and you had, you know, you're probably expanding with different markets, and you try something new. When do you let it go? Is there a moment? I mean, you say you're flogging a dead horse, but when does that actually happen? And sometimes, it's the wrong time to give up. Yeah. Well, you've got to. You've got to take a. a Take a view on these things. As I said, my background's property. That's mm. how I've made a lot of money. I've invested into into property. Okay, we, we, we have nursing homes, but that is potential. It's a property business, really. We end up owing a lot of property. So that, that's why I think it's a, a good thing. Banks like it. It's easy to, to, to borrow money. It's asset-based. Uh, coming back to your question, it's it's it, people have ideas and things that they can think that this is something good to go into, but maybe they don't have the skill set. Maybe you think you do, but you actually, when you actually get into it, you realise I'm not very good at this, or I don't enjoy it. I mean, you've got to be passionate about what you do, and that means you, you've got to enjoy it. We, um, when I moved into the care industry, which was in... Uh, so wait, so you, you're 25, made a partner. Yeah. Then you're working for someone else. Sold, then out, you, sold out of 30. You, the whole company sold? Whole company and you took a good chunk of money from it? Good chunk of money. And then you went off on your own to do your own thing? No, I was an employee with Abbey National for at, three years. So until 33. So at 33, you still hadn't... I mean, you, you were an equity partner, but you hadn't gone on your own fully. No, no, not with that business. But I opened my first nursing home in 1985. My wife was a nurse and we opened that in, uh, well, 84, actually. So... Again, I had another business that I was I was building up, and I when I sold, I used the money from from that business to put into nursing homes to enable to the grow the company to grow to where right. it is now. But thinking about when I sold to the Abbey, I did get a lot of very very good training. Uh, they sent me on a lot of courses. I, I said I was thirty years old, very ambitious, keen to learn, and simple things like. Uh, I went on an interviewing course. It was a three-day, can you believe it, a three-day interviewing course. They teach you how to interview people. Okay. And, okay, uh, what was the one thing you can remember from that? Well, the first... Oh, or maybe put you in good stead, because I kid you not, on the way up here, because we're up with you in your house, we, we're out of London at the moment, Scott and I, my business partner in Shy Aviation, were talking about interviewing and said, actually, we are the shittest people at interviewing, because nine times out of ten, we get it wrong. 
And well, we now have people who help us get it right, but we definitely got it wrong. There's one simple thing you do. You get a piece of paper, blank piece of paper, mm -hmm. and you write 80 stroke 20 on the piece of paper. 80, 20. Okay. Do you know what that means? Well, I'm going to assume 80 is good and 20 is bad. No. Nope. Got them. That means that you speak 20% of the time and the person that you're interviewing speaks 80% of the time. Oh, yeah. Because if you're interviewing somebody, you want to find out what they're like. Yeah. So if you're talking, you can't get, you don't get the opportunity to find out who they are. What happens when people interview people, they start talking about their business, how well they're doing, yeah. how they want that person to that, come into that's the talking business. to a colleague, is it? No, no, interviewing. Okay. When they're interviewing somebody. Oh, I see the interviewer. They, they say, gotcha. Yeah, they say, right, I want you to do this. This is our company. This is where we're going. This well, they're not necessarily being vain. They're probably trying to put the person at comfort or ease to teach them about the business, right? Which is but the wrong way. You've got to keep looking at that piece of paper. There's okay. Do you really do that? 20. I, I really do. And how many people do you think you've interviewed and hired through the years? Oh, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds. I mean, actually, how many people have you got hired now? Over a thousand. Over a thousand. So a thousand people with all their families are dependent on you. Well, yeah, I mean, I'm, <laughs> not, not I'm, not, I'm not interviewing them all. So what you've got to learn is open questions. Mm -hmm. So, you know, do you think you will be good at this job? Mm. Answer yes or no. Why do you think you will be good at this job? That is an open question. Mm. The person has to answer and start speaking for 80% of the time. And what answer, if someone said, why do you think you're good for the job? What answer are you looking for? What they bring to the table. What they what they could offer you? They're trying to sell themselves. So you want okay? And then what if they said I'm hardworking? Good. Okay. I like that. Yeah. What if they said I'm conscientious? Because I remember being taught to say that. Even my first ever job when I worked in McDonald's, they said I said yes, I'm very conscientious. Because I remember that's like a that's like you overthink things, but actually you're always there and available and you're going for it. Yeah, I mean obviously there's traits, honesty, confidential, hardworking. Mm. All these things are important. But remember, you will have read their CV. Okay. You know, I mean, I didn't. Inter what I do now with our senior people is I don't actually get into the nitty gritty. Our recruitment people, I, I interview all of our senior people. It's about a 15 minute interview. And um, I, I, the first thing I say to them, look, is I want to know who you are. I want to, I want to, and for you to have an opportunity to talk to me. I mean, our USP is that we are a corporate business, but we're still a family business. Yeah. And that's important to us. And I want them to feel part of the Dovehaven family. Mm -hmm. So if they meet me, this gives them an opportunity, hopefully make them feel at ease. And they can ask me about anything. I speak to them. I've got their CV in front of me. I'll speak to them about their hobbies, how they feel about the industry, things like that. It's all, all the nitty gritty about are they qualified? You assume they are at that point. No, that's all been done by, yeah. by my... So you assume they are, that's why they're now talking to you. They wouldn't get to that stage. So do you want to, at that point, to make sure they fit your culture to some degree? Yes, I, I want to... Uh, it's as much for them as I said, for them to feel part of the Dovehaven family, to bring them in. Yeah. And they they like it. They, they expect the company to be corporate. And I, I say to them, so you're going to manage this home. Now you get Mr. Jones comes in and he says, who are these Gilberts? Um, I don't know who they are. And they say, you could, they would say, well, Mark pops in every week. Oh, really? Yeah, be here tomorrow. Well, I'd like to meet him, fine, you can meet him. Or he might be unhappy about his mother's room or sure. whatever. I'll, I'll talk to anybody. Now, it's, 
So this is a big thing I was going to ask. So scaling up a business. I mean, it's I've I wanted to have a, a series of different things to ask you so people can relate to it or not. And if they can't relate to it, they can learn. Scaling up a business. So this is something you've done incredibly well. Um, by scaling up, those who don't understand, that means essentially starting with one employee maybe or care home and adding more and more. And as you scale up, you get economies of scale and you get more for your money and all that good stuff. But also it can go badly wrong. When you are scaling up, how can you still keep that personal touch in your business? I mean, you just said you see them all, but I mean, I know, and maybe we can come on to this or not, your future plans, where you're going to go, which is going to be pretty mega. How can you still have that personal touch? Well, I've just given you one example. Yeah, if you've got 50 um, homes. Well, I still think you can get out there, out okay. and about. You can talk to people. Uh, I would go into a home, I would remember a few names of members of staff. So I might go into the laundry and say, hi Jane, how are you? And she, well, God, remembers who They I know am. who you are. They know who I am, but I say, how are you Jane? But that isn't something you and fake, that's a real thing. You're not faking that. You no, I'm not, because I am genuinely yeah. interested. Yeah, definitely. And I will sit and talk to residents. Um, not for very long, because obviously I'm moving about and yeah. I've got a lot of homes. But we are in a personal business there. It's a very touchy-feely business. And I think it's, we're coming back to the passion here that you've really, I really want to raise the bar of, of, of care in this country. It's very, very important to me. And the people that work for me, work for the family, they believe that and they know that to be true. It's important. Mm. Is there any kind of crest or motto that you have within the homes? Have you got um, into that, the values essentially? I think we focus, particularly with old people, we focus on what they can do, yeah. not what they can't do. We know, we know as you get older, what they can't do, but you can still do a lot of good things. Yeah. So, you're where you are now, and we, we've, we've sold out to Abby, you're 33, you've got your first, you call it a nursing home, or is it a retirement village? Care, care, care home. So there's three, there's lots of different ways to describe yeah, it, yeah. but it's where you bung the old people, basically. Um, <laughs> And um, give a good life. A better life they'd have at home, sure. right? Because they need that care. Yeah. Now, when you started at 33 into your own care home, so you're 33? Mm -hmm. Well, yes. Would, I... What was the the moment when you thought, you know what, I'm going to have a go at this? And, you know, that's a big risk. Because did you have your boy? You had your children then, didn't you? I so did. Luke, your eldest, would have been 11. Mm -hmm. And Miles would have been five or six. So you've got two children. I mean, you've got a bit of money, but you're obviously not doing as well as you are now. But yeah. to go and put all your money from your hard-earned eight to nine years of graft, that's a big risk. Is, is that, would you say, the biggest risk you've taken? Um, I wouldn't... It didn't feel like a risk at the time. I said I was, I was extremely driven. And coming back to my point about them being asset-based businesses, being property, you know, you buy a big building, it's always going to be worth X amount of money. What I've always tried to do is to add value. Mm -hmm. So if you buy a building because I had the surveying skills, I could improve it, extend it, enlarge it. And then I, I think it was the third or fourth home I bought was not doing very well at all. I think we bought it from the receiver, got it very cheap. And this was a great opportunity to, to add value to a business. And I think that's an important thing. If you can add value to something, buy it cheap, and add value. In this particular case, what value did you add? We um, we changed the category of care. We put an extension on. We improved it, decorated it, changed the staffing, 
changed the, the, the ethos of the home and very quickly made it from a loss-making home to a very profitable home. And when you started making your first decent, I imagine at this point you're now adding an extra naught to your income, right? So you're yeah, starting to get some yeah. significant cash through the door. You get your nice cars and your nicer house. When do you think, right, I'm going to scale this up? Is it, was there a moment you thought, let's have uh, a go well, at this? Because uh, yeah. at that point, it's a business, but then you would have turned it to, like, in American terms, a conglomerate of sorts. Well, as I said, I'd like to say I was... We've done well. We're making quite a lot of money. Got the two boys. Mm. Wanted to educate them well. Sent them away to school. Um, I bought a place in, in South Carolina, actually. And... I didn't know that. Yeah. And they had a place down in Fort in the Keys and, yeah, in well, Florida. Before that, I had a place in South Carolina. Oh, was that off that island? That island, what's Hilton, that island? Hilton Head Island. Yes, yeah. that's really famous in the... Yeah, yeah. So you probably saw it in a magazine right? I want a bit no, of that, no, Wendy. No, I bought that in 93, but the, we sent the boys away to school and the plan was that holidays, we'd always spend a lot of time with them. I'm a very family-orientated yeah. person. Uh, my father was divorced four times, so I came, you know, a bit of a shit childhood. I'll come back to Sorry, that. Sorry, four times? <laughs> That is yeah, mega. Yeah. He's like Hugh Hefner. Well, yeah, he was a, a bit more like one of the carry-ons. Which, um, by the way, we must add, just your dad's four marriages, you still were the same woman, Wendy, which is another part of your success. Yeah, very much It so. has to be. I mean, very she's so. as important. And a lot of people don't recognise that, but you always have. She's been fantastic. I've been married 40 years, can't believe it. But yes, she's but, and you know, She woman. looks so young compared to you, doesn't she? <laughs> <laughs> now you both look so it's a light. She's an amazing woman, and and she she was a nurse. We met. Um, she was working at the hospital, and of course she's you know she's helped tremendously in the uh, in the care homes. But going back to to South Carolina, mm. so yeah, everybody was buying a property in second home in Spain, I suppose then. But I didn't like the Spanish model of kids being out till two, three, four o'clock in the morning clubs. I wanted to, to be with them. They were this point, How old have they been then? They would have been so, late teens almost? No, no, no. They were young. I know, I mean, they would be mid-teens. Is, yeah, Miles was about five and Luke had about five years difference, yeah. or four and nine, something like that. So we would go out there and spend a lot of time. I mean, I had, I had a boat out there. We used to do a lot of fishing, a lot of sort of boating activities. Yeah. And the great thing about America is you, you get up in the morning, it's, you know, it's five five hours ahead so I could work till eight or nine o'clock in the morning just two o'clock here yeah. and then I've got my free day yeah uh, we would spend all day together mm. out on the water playing tennis golf whatever so family's very very important to me mm. and as you know they're in the business now we'll come to that but they were a great team and we work together but it's important you've got to put those early years in I believe with the uh, with the kids and also when you say early years in with the kids what do you mean like spend time with them yeah time but then, but that's what, all they want time. But um, so it is really important would your children argue differently and say your dad was always working that you're always working well I was working when they were but, they but were, when you had the time off you were with them well I was always with them okay. and we, we had a lot of fun together and it was very important they talk about those years now with, with great affection albeit that they were away at boarding school have you got a uh, a moment, but we're going to you know come further down the chronological order of how well you're doing and the story to get there. Have you got a moment in your past where it's been the most enjoyable part, or do you think that hasn't happened yet? Or you know, I don't want to sound like Anthony yeah. Robbins, some sort of. I think, but I think just being being as a family. That if was you, your favourite part. Yeah, if you, particularly coming from a broken family, mm. you know, if you if you've got you know, a wife. Good marriage with two kids, 
and you've got a bit of money in your pocket and everybody's fit and healthy, you can't get better than that. No, you can't. So let's start with your best decision you think you've ever made. What has that been? My best decision? Because um, obviously there's going to be other sides as a flip side, right? <laughs> yeah, so. yeah. Uh, probably going into the care home business. Right. Yeah, and, and, then, you... and, then all, and then the boys, I mean, that was a risk. You talk about risk. The boys came into the business. Well, they, they are really honest. close friends of mine. I can tell you right now, there's still a risk. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, yeah, the, the, I taken the business. This is coming back to where we were saying that I was having, I had a good life. I always had a good balance in life. So we were away on holiday, spent a lot of time. We had a you know, reasonable business. But then through very, you know, Luke was a professional rugby player. Mm-hmm. Things started to go wrong. He came to me. And I said, look, okay, I can pay you, I can give you a wage, but if, we, if you, if you want to have what I've got, we need to scale the business up. And the three of us now are a tremendous team. They are they're young, very, very well-educated, very ambitious, hardworking, and I'm the steady hand on the tiller. <laughs> but can I say that you know, as an onlooker to your family and your business, it's very interconnected, which is lovely. And I don't think there's any harm in mixing personal with business, but I never thought there is. And you brought up two really good children, nice, kind, humble, to a degree, um, modest, not so much Luke. Um, but it's, it is a lovely thing to bring your family into a business. And that could also come with its issues, right? Because mm. when, they, when you've got the money and you've got younger children... I had this chat with Mike Clare earlier on in the podcast who owned Dreams Beds, and I'm friends, funny enough, with his children as well. And it's a hard balance when you've got what well, you talked about going to Hilton Head and having your own boat and a second home and, you know, your Bentley and your own your Rolls Royce and all this nice stuff. It's hard to keep their feet on the ground. Surely that has to be the biggest battle for ultra high net worths and business people. Yeah, but I was, I mean, I was always very honest with them. So when, when, when Miles was 14, I said, right, we're going to go out and we're going to have a few beers. We're going to get hammered. <laughs> And, and we did, you know. He, and by the he, way, he was he allowed drank, to drink at forty. You're allowed to drink in England in the pub. You are. He drank, if you were the parent, he drank. Right. Uh, I think he drank twelve beers and then he threw up. <laughs> Actually, I don't think he was fourteen. I think he might have been twelve. Was but, this uh, his first session on the smash? <laughs> was the first time he actually? Well, got... they're going to do it anyway, aren't they? Yeah, yeah, right. They are going to do it. I'd rather do it with them. Uh, when at school they always said right give them a few beers but I would never drink vodka what they'd encourage you yeah they would encourage that but I would never drink vodka or, or, okay. or gin with them just it was soft only beer. it was only beer yeah. only beer and you could drink a lot of beer and they'd throw up yeah it's basically you're hydrating at this point but they, they're going to do that and even we talked about drugs you know I'd say yeah. well you're going to you're going to smoke a joint you're going to do yeah you know I, I'd had being a single parent I had a lot of freedom as a child and Everything they've done, I, I've done. Yeah. And you tell them? I told them, yes. And we, we share the experiences. And both of them have rung me up and said, yeah, I don't want to get into too much. But, you know, we, we talk and they're very honest so with you, me. So that, that's one thing, you're an honest man. Yes. Are you honest with all the people who work with you as well? I think uh, that would be one of the points that I would... I, I'm a very fair person. I think you have to be fair. If you're going to employ a lot of people... It's, in, it's very important that you're seen to be fair mm-hmm. because people believe in you then. Mm-hmm. They, will, they will buy into fairness. I've been fair to my, to my own expense. But well, that's what I was going to ask you. Okay. So I've had this in a much smaller scale to you where I, my wife would always say I'm too fair with people and it's come back to bite you. 
how do you, I mean, and it's not, and I think it's, it's not something you have to, you know, hold on to, you let it go. But I don't think you should take away that charm of being fair because it comes back normally tenfold, right? Well, again, you, you're trying to build burn a, is what I'm trying to ask you. You've got to build a team. You're trying to build a team here. And if they have that belief in the company, yeah. the company, even though, I mean, employment law is incredibly complicated. Yeah. Isn't it? You know, we've got a, a, a racist case going on at the moment, which is a sort of ridiculous case. But yeah. you've got to go through the motions and you've got to be seen. And we are very fair and you've got to be seen to be fair. Mm-hmm. But as long as the people believe in you and believe in the system, the organisation that you've created, I think that's very important. Okay. So get people to believe. So have you had moments where your belief has wobbled in the business? Have you had a moment where things have gone wrong for you? Yeah, uh, probably about six, seven years ago, we expanded quite rapidly. Uh, and at the same time, the um, our inspectors, uh, they changed the inspection re- regime. And all of a sudden, we, we got what they call embargoes, where two or three of these new homes, they came along and said, you know, you're not doing a very good job. Well, we know that, we just bought the place. Yeah. But we're now going to, we're not going to shut you down, but we're going to stop you moving people in. And this is after you've inherited someone else's problem? Yes, we, the care we, we bought it. So it's not... Badly run. Okay. And then you got persecuted when you're trying to change it? Well, we're saying, you know, we, we will change it, but it, t- it takes time. You're trying to change culture. And let's be clear, you've obviously also probably leveraged yourself, right? Because you right. bought this home, you, you are taking on debt to buy each home, Absolutely. Right? And then you've got staff wages from day one, so any spare changes you've got to make have to come out of cash flow to a degree. And your income stream, you might have people banging on the door and saying, I'd, I'd like to come into your home, but you're not allowed to admit them. So your income's going down. Oh, right. <laughs> because you haven't been approved embargo. by these bloody inspectors. And the, some of these embargoes could be up to 12 months. That's, that is a backward rule, isn't it? Well... They're, but it must be there for a purpose. They're, they're trying to, obviously, protect the residents... And as you build up track record, remember business is the same with banks, it's always about track record. So as you get the, the inspectorate get more confidence in you, you can sit down and talk to them. They believe in your systems and they, they believe that, that ultimately you will deliver the care. But it, it takes time. Culture is a very, very difficult thing to change. And this is a lot of problems with, in, the, in the care industry. So that was those six or seven years, and how long did you feel the pinch? Did you feel like, at, by the way, at any point, did you feel like, shit, things could hit the fan? Or was it a case you had to dig deep and maybe borrow some money or remortgage some things? Or No, we, we, it wasn't that bad. Um, I, you say about risk, so that looking back, I've never really, okay, back in the early days, I said the first million's always the sort of hardest yeah. to make. Yes, yeah. you took risk then. But... Um, I would never. Why, if you if you've got a, a, a you know a good living, I would never double up. Why would you? Why would you do that? Why would you risk a family? Why would you risk? I mean, I will risk. When a you say amount. double up, you mean making. Why would you risk uneducated risk? Why would you risk everything that you've okay. got? So how do you make a decision to expand? Like right now, I, I don't want to say too much. Yeah, no, it's fine. But what's your? You've got big plan, right? So yeah. How do you know? when to make the decision to go, right, I'm going to take on one more care home, 50 more staff. Oh, I'll tell you, we, we are just in the process of borrowing 20 million right. to go out and do some stuff. Yeah. You know, I mean, it, there's going to be, in fact, there's people listening to this, don't miss out on a good recession. Okay. Don't miss out. There's great, op- that's how a lot of people make money. 
from from a recession. Okay. It's a great opportunity. Have you been mostly recession proof then? No, we've no. And the care industry, we've been bombarded. Yeah, so, so, so you had the six or seven so. years, but we've had since you set up thirty three years ago. Mm. We've had four recessions. Oh yes, in terms of that, we we well, it's it's. I'm going back to I said the the Toxteth riots and yeah. uh, bin strikes in Liverpool. <laughs> yeah. I've been I've been brought up this all my life, so. Yeah. These are just, you know, normal, normal So would you say, I mean, can I ask you something, right? So what sets you aside from someone who's your friend, same age as you, but hasn't, isn't sat in a house, sitting in a house like we are now, overlooking a golf course, you know, drinking beautiful wine. What sets you aside? Have you got this one thing that you think you've got in you to, I mean, I could guess what it is for for you know, dad divorced four times, you're moving around, you have to always pivot, right? Have you got anything you can put your finger on as to why you've driven yourself this hard? Yeah, it, it's <laughs> keep paddling. That a lot of people who, who know me, they will they, they <coughs> say to me and they look at me and say, Keep paddling. Yeah. And that you know You've actually said that to me a couple of times. Have I? Well yeah. there you go. And you, you know, you're in your canoe and my story, you, you everybody's paddling up the river and you just keep paddling and there's, there's fewer people up 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 the the bit of river I'm you know there's not so many people but I'm still paddling I'm I'm not, you know I'm not I'm, okay I'm not old but I'm not young here's me I'm working as hard as ever we've just got this money we're going to go out and buy in the, after the recession lots of opportunities I'm as ambitious as ever right because I keep paddling so you keep paddling but why do you think so it's very easy to say keep paddling right well, let's say you've got your more. Say you, I don't know. You're 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 twenty six, twenty seven. You've you suddenly got a car and finance. Maybe you got a rent. Maybe you got your first property. It's harder to step into entrepreneurship or take a risk because you think you've got everything you want. What is it? And can you teach it? Actually, do you think people can become entrepreneurial? Do you think? Because one thing I think we need more of in this world is risk. And I I don't mean the risk like doubling up, like you mentioned, which is a great expression. I mean, just going, look, you don't have to settle. And you, you said paddle up the river. But what got you to the point where you knew to paddle? You've, you, as I said, I was very determined. So determined. I mean, I could taste it. I, I can't tell you how determined I was. At what age? Six. <laughs> Six? So I've got an eight-year-old son. I'm thinking, how determined is he? He's well, pretty maybe seven. Maybe seven. My aunt had a shop uh, in Welling Garden City, and um, she, I, I was there at the shop. I don't know why I was, but she had these pencils. You know, remember with koala bears on the top, and you put the little, little things yep. you put on the top. Yeah, they, they uh, stick on the end of the pencil. Yeah, they're rubber. Yeah, they're rubber. Yeah. Rubber. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I don't think these were anyway. They were. Well, yeah. They're... So I said, you know, pretty cancerous you, at that you point. Give me a few of these. Yes. And she said, um, "What for?" And I said, well, "I'm going to sell them at school." And she said, well... Where did you see that, though? Who, well, where have you seen to, to think you could sell stuff at six years well, old? I did. Because most people at six years old have got that rubber. They've stuck seven, I'm number seven. So, all right, seven. It makes a big difference <laughs> that extra year. I was... that. Listen, that was... I had a paper... And did you keep doing that? Oh, yeah, I had a paper round when I was... I don't know. Were you, ten, would, you, were you, would, you, would you... Were you poor growing up? Well, 
not initially, but when my parents got, they were, they were, that was eight when they got divorced, yeah. and then my mother, back then they didn't split the income, but can you believe it? <laughs> my father sort of kept all the, uh, all the income, so my, my mother, well, so yeah, the, dad, in, the father would keep the money, keep they the were money, the main yeah, soul, yeah. Soul so, so we lived, yeah, I mean, we lived in a caravan, um, for, I can't remember how many months, I remember we lived in a flat down in, in, in Folkestone, and I, I lived on a camp bed for six months. I thought, so, God, you live down in Kent. Yeah. My so, dad lives near Folkestone. So I've been, yeah, I've been poor, you know, I mean. Mm. And was that, is that something that kind of drove you on? I mean, is that the only way people could be? No, I think, right. I think I'd have, been, I'd have been that way. It was, it was, when I was seven or eight, everybody said, Mark, you're going to be a millionaire. Everybody told me I was going to be a millionaire. Mm. I believed I was going to be a millionaire. But I didn't realise, I can't remember what age it was, Maybe it was about sort of 16 or something. I didn't realise what they were saying is you have the ability to be a millionaire. Yeah. You actually have to actually work so hard for it. So those people thought you had the ingredients. Yeah, but you have, to, you have to work hard for it. And is there a moment when you don't have to work hard? Well, yes. Um, I have a, a, another one little anecdote is that life's a bit like these platform games, you know, that you, you go to different levels, so you come up to... I, it in terms of doors you know you come up and bang on the door you have to play about the door the door opens you go along the next door and then you go up to the next level mm. and you keep doing and you go up to the next level and you go up and oh, here's a door here we go again you start and you just go up put your hand to knock on the door and 10 doors go bum 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 and they all open you go wow and you just go straight to the next level and you've just made a huge amount of money but it's the constant banging on the doors that got you to that point. Does that make sense? Yeah, that's a tenacity. That's by getting me by the doors. What you're saying is, and I probably simplify it maybe even further is, once you've had one problem and you've done ten problems, the next twenty are easier, right? Yeah. Um, Just a work. Did you ever heard that expression that um, you know an incredible entrepreneur, incredible businessman, Bernie Eccleston said? He said, "My job isn't really about business; it's about solving problems." Yeah, I like that. Um, which I think's. I'm, I'm trying to learn, my, you know, we're trying to grow our businesses and, and it's something I'm trying to learn. But I find that on a daily basis, I've got problems which I didn't expect to have to solve, but it's definitely got easier at solving them, right? And I don't know what it is. And I don't know if that's the right, I don't know if anyone should be at that high, you know, altitude of problem solving because it can't be good for stress, right? So, but you do get used to a certain way of living a life, don't you? I think you'll always get the bigger the business, more problems, and the bigger the problems. The secret you just touched on it there, I think, is that when I come back to that balance in life, you have to have the right balance. Otherwise, you can't sustain working at the level or the way you're working. Balance is very important. Okay, well, let's take a break. Um, when we come back, um, we're going to chat about what happened from 33. Okay. Turn now. And actually, there's some great anecdotes you want to share. Um, guys, you've been listening to Bull by the Horn, sponsored by Shy Aviation. With Senor Mark Gilbert, I'm Giles Vigors Jones. Uh, be back after the break. Thank you. A Dove Haven is a corporate yet family run care home business providing quality care for older people in the north of England. For more information, go to dovehavencarehomes.co.uk. The best there is. 
Shai Aviation and Lifestyle is the global leader in private aviation. Offering an unparalleled round-the-clock service, Shai Aviation focuses on every detail of your flight and are dedicated in making private jet travel as effortless as possible. With no hidden fees or membership costs, our pricing is straightforward and transparent. You only pay for what you use and when you use it. With global airport access, your travel destinations are endless. Plus, with our front door to jet door service, you'll experience true contactless travel, meaning you'll be at your safest with us. We'll even include a complimentary luxury lifestyle concierge for all clients. We're here to help you unlock the world safely, discreetly and privately, and to always give you the ultimate luxury experience. Request a quote and start your journey with us today at shyaviation.com. Welcome to Bull by the Horns with Giles Vickers-Jones. Um, welcome back to Bull by the Horns. Um, I'm still Giles. This is still Mark Gilbert. And we're here to talk about success, risk, the stories, the adventures. And hopefully we can all get something out of these amazing people we get to chat with all sponsored by Shy Aviation, the global leader in private jet charter. Right, enough of my presentary waffle. Let's go back to the time you sold to Abbey. You've got your first retirement home, nursing village, nursing care home, and you start this adventure. What was your growth like? Well, as I said, we grew fairly steadily. Talked about the children, about the family. And then we talked about the eldest son joining the business. Um, I had actually then moved, to, I bought a small estate in, in Scotland, which is sort of where I live half the yeah. time now. A castle, really, let's be clear. <laughs> you have a castle on the borders. Well, anyway. Um, and that was a good thing because Luke was here and Miles, they were enabled, I wasn't sort of on their shoulders too much, overlooking what they were doing. I was away. And in fact, that's, that's a good point, being away. Old saying, you can't see the wood for the trees. That is so true in business. Most people are, are stuck in the wood. They look up and all they can see is trees. By moving away to Scotland, I could look away and look at my wood and realise the mistakes that were being made, the bits that need clipping, that, that needed changing. and. I was, I started to understand working on the business rather than in the business. Mm. So I had the boys down there, and this is. But this is how long into your your business was this? This has got to be. So I was forty, uh, yeah, uh, early early mid forties. So you've done ten years of growth at this point. Nine years. Yes, but I hadn't grown. I'd, I'd in fairness, I'd only grown it up till I suppose about forty, and then started taking life a bit easy. Having a good life? Having a good life, yes. What was the first trappings? What did you spend your first bit of money? You've got the house and garrets. I always like cars. I, cars. Like, I like cars. I mean, I like property because, it, you know, it, as I said, I'm a property person. But that's often an investment. But the first real extravagance, I suppose, is cars. What's the best car you've ever had? Ferrari. you got a new one, haven't you? <laughs> Just so we're all clear, so... Mark's actually sent me videos of his new car and I haven't seen it yet. Is it here? No. Or is it got an oh, bugger. Now that's a beast, isn't it? So how many Ferraris have you had? Half a dozen. 
How many Rolls Royces have you had? Four or five. But okay, so tell me something. Push comes to shove. What's do the trappings really matter? Have you got? Do you get to the point where you go right? I don't want to buy any more stuff. You just want to buy the odd thing here and there. I what like does money bring you? Money brings you freedom, choice, choice. Now money. a lot of people would argue it doesn't. No choice. 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 Money. Money gives you choice. You can choose to do things. It's you might not choose to do them, but if you want to, you can do them. Is there a number that people should get to to have that choice, or does? What point do you feel like you've got choice? I mean, it's a hard one to quantify, right? Because you could be in Mayfair and it's different to being in the Outer Hebrides. I think most people don't, I know, who are wealthy. They, they don't talk about numbers. They're not bothered about numbers. I don't think there is a number. You could, I'm back to pa keep paddling. Yeah. You, 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 you just carry on. I mean, if you specific, if I, I'm sort of, if I wanted a, big, a bigger boat, then I might say, right, I'll work hard. I don't know, you want a certain something, you might say a specific thing that you might want, that you might need a number to be able to do that. But I think you gen just generally keep going. It's your, as I said before, you have to be able to sustain the way you are. Otherwise, you're just going to collapse in a heap. What do you mean by that? Well, people get ill, don't they? A lot of stress. Remember, there's a lot of stress. To make money is a lot. Well, unless you're very talented, you're a, you're a footballer or somebody, a musician or a painter or something like that. And even then, you, let's be clear, they would have had stress to get to that, that point, right? Yeah, but I mean, at football, it might be a short-lived short career. But you can only make money by employing people. You need people. You've, you've got one pair of hands and you have to employ people to do work and you sort of make money off, off, off of them, I suppose. And, and that's a good imp imp thing. Communication is very important. You have to be a good communicator to make money because you have to explain to these people what you want them to do. And if they're not doing what you want them to do, you have to tell them what you do want them to do. Mm. Communication is very important. But um, it's, yeah, you, you, you just got to keep going. Did you have a formula? So you get your first home, the second or third, you got to early 40s and you had... Am I lying here? You're about 10 at that point? Yeah. 10, yeah. And all of them kicking off an EBITDA of, what, five, fifty, hundred, or something crazy? Well, whatever, more, yeah. More than that, then. What you can't see for the people who are like cameras out there, Mark smirked at me. So big numbers, right? Now, is there a point where you go, right, I know what I'm doing, and did you ever take a more of a risk? And how did you take the extra risk to do 11, 12, 13... Because you said you sat back and you had your life, right? You got your yeah. castle in Scotland, yeah. your first Ferrari, all the nice ha holidays. What more do you need? Well, again, they said coming back to the boys coming in. I think sharing it. You, you, you have an obligation. Uh, you know, you want to see it, the boys do well. Mm. They, I'd always been very honest with them about about money. I remember when they were away at school and I got involved with one of these sort of parent governor things. And you know, boarding schools are incredibly expensive. Yeah. And I and I sat down and I said, well, why aren't you s telling the boys how to make money? And they said, what do you mean? And I said, they said we're educating them. I said, I know, but it costs a lot of money to send them to this school. Do you not think if you taught them how to make money, you would self-perpetuate and they would make more money and send their children away to school? I'm not That's saying everybody wants great to, example. to do that. That's a great idea. So, and what did they say to that? Well, they didn't like it. So why so they talk about I've past. heard this before with education, by the way, and mm. my children 
you know, they're at good schools as well. And the path we're going down is hopefully, you know, that, that kind of schooling. And it is strange that you're, you've never taught, would you say, entrepreneurship? Absolutely. Well, let's be honest. It's a, but in the UK, it is a bit of a dirty word, isn't it? Making money. I think, I think there's two reasons. Actually, I think one of the main reasons is if you see people who you perceive as having money, quite often they're quite brash. Because like you said earlier, you don't know they've got money, a lot of people. And I think actually that's the way to be. You might, okay, you might see them in their Ferrari, the Rolls Royce, but normally dressed in nice clothes, they're presentable. It's when you see perhaps someone spending on money on the, the flashier clothes, the car outside the house, not in the garage privately, the tattoos maybe, which might in some people's eyes reflect disposable income and I think what's happened is there's been this kind of it's a very English thing or British thing let's not show off about it and so a lot of people don't know but in America for example and we do follow America's lead in lots of ways culturally as well two or three years down the line everything comes to the UK being successful is not a taboo thing it's almost celebrated I'm not saying it's the right thing but people they do follow that Instagram you know shallow way but they also see People are heralded, you know. Um, self-starters are put on the fronts of magazines. Here, it just doesn't happen. You, you're only now learning about it. But all we had was Richard Branson for twenty bloody years. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? It's crazy. Yeah. And and I think, and this is a oh God, it sounds going to sound terrible. There's nothing. There's so many paths to happiness. But let's try and teach people that they can take a risk. And I guess that's why I want to do this podcast, Mark. Well, maybe you hit the nail on the head then. That's because we are more coy about talking about money in this country and you talk about old money i mean i'm 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 new money i'm first to admit that but funny enough i had a conversation with a very old family in scotland mm. and he said who, who go back to the 1300s and he said well we we're all new money once you know yeah right i mean how do you how do you how do you say okay, let's go on to new money your children join the business you're starting to get growth more money coming in still for you? Yes. So you get more money. How are you now looking at life? Are you now looking at the kids and the future and the grandchildren? You're start, now starting to think, right? Yeah. Legacy. You know, what's going to happen? Because there's now going to be a, you've got your children, second generation wealth, third coming through, who are going to have the same wealth. What are you thinking? How would you want that to play out? Well, I would be... I think our business is a sustainable business. That's one of the reasons why I, I stuck with it. And uh, a legacy would be for the Dovehaven company to continue to grow and for the, yeah, for the grandchildren to come into the business. I think that would be amazing. That would please me. How have you found, how have you found it with the boys, uh, with Luke and Miles joining you, having that hiatus where you were just cruising? Not cruising. I yeah, no, no, no. And now you're on that growth again, mm -hmm. and you're still working just as hard. You know, when are you going to get off? Where is it going to go? What have you got? Let's take away the numbers. Let's think about what you want to be perceived as. Have you got somewhere you want to be? See, first of all, I don't really feel it is hard work. Okay. If you've got a good balance in your life, where you have a good social life, I mean, we've not talked about my horses, you know, horses are my, my, my passion. That allows me to have that balance in life. So why stop? Why, why, if you can, we're back to sustainability. So if you're comfortable and you've got a good balance in life, you just keep going. Is, is there, 
any lessons that you've learned along the way about sustainability and about bad decision making that perhaps your friends have taken turns and made wrong decisions or they've sold their company because you haven't sold your company you're still privately owned mm -hmm. you've got no outside shareholders just you your family it's a true family business yes is there an exit lined up no i would i would be very much against that i think getting okay i sold out got a lump of money but certainly for younger people to to get a lot of cash i don't i don't think it's a good thing you can't get a good return on your cash unless you take a lot of risk surely you can make it if, if your pro business is profitable enough you can get everything out of the business in, in profit in terms of profits and you still retain it for the family so i guess once you've got your home right you've got your home key let's say you paid off which is not necessarily a good use of money you've got your car you've got your schooling maybe you've got your second home <laughs> you still need something to bloody do don't you oh i can think, oh. think of lots of things okay so let's <laughs> let's talk about you know the gilbert family how do you guys enjoy your wealth what do you do um well as you said we're sat here at a, at a nice house i've got other houses uh, dotted about yeah and the um uh, we've got grandchildren we need to educate and they'll want they'll want homes um, do you feel obliged to help them or do you think your children got it covered no i'm i'm i, I think as i said coming from a broken family my, my family is very very important to me and i'll do everything i won't I won't spoil them. They've got to appreciate the value of a pound, as I said, an old-fashioned saying. But yes, I, they've got to understand what money is. And this is why, coming back to what we were saying before, I think it's good to have these conversations and to talk about it. Because mm. not many people are having this conversation, and you're not able to listen to people just say to you, it's all right to make money. It's all right to be an entrepreneur. Just don't be a twat, right? I mean, that's the key, isn't it? And it can, and it can affect you, money. You said but you choice. can be a rich twat and a poor twat, can't so you? So have you seen... Okay, so let's go back to it. So you enjoy your life. You've got your family. Are there things you still want to do? Yes, there's plenty of things I still want to do. Um, I mean, as you get older, I suppose health is the your most important. You want to stay healthy. Uh, I, I travel a bit. I quite like travelling. Yeah. Um, you know, I've rented a few boats from you. Oh, like jets. <laughs> jets. There's plenty of stuff that mm. I could do a lot more of that. Do you, I mean, you've got disposable income. Why don't you use more jets from us? Just uh, curious. No, I mean, do you ever think about the money you spend? So when you use a private jet, obviously it's exponentially more expensive than an easy jet flight. Do you sometimes think, and, oh God, this is, I don't know how to spell this out. If you spend 20,000 quid or 20,000 bucks on a jet... Do you think, do you have a factor in that's going to take me two hours to earn money or a day to earn money? Or do you think the money leaving your bank, do you always think you've got to have surplus and do it? Yeah, I suppose it's a value thing, you know, is how you, you know, I prefer, I like helicopters. Yeah. And I'd sort of see that there's a bit more value. That's where. Yeah, I get that because you can get somewhere quickly. You can get somewhere quickly. And it's I fairly sort inexpensive and you can yeah. make more money in the time you've saved by using a helicopter, right? Yeah, and you, and you don't have, you, to a jet, you've got to get, still got to get to the airport. Okay. And, you know, it is. Yeah, easier. But um, oh, and I suppose it boils down to how much money you've got, doesn't it? Yeah, and, and the thing about money is always on richer, right? So absolutely. So we're here to really talk about risk. So is there is there something that you have failed at? Yes, I um, I actually back in well, it was the early nineties. There was yeah. a time when everybody thought you should be that person that 
can turn their head, you're a successful businessman, you can do anything. And you've mm. three or four or five different businesses. I had an amusement arcade <laughs> that, well, I'm, the first mistake I made was that I, we, we had to get a license to do the gambling, the real money in it was with the gambling uh, machines. But you needed a separate license for that, which we failed to, to get. But, um, and then you end up with a load of kids playing games and playing not going to school and things like that. Not right. the business you really want to be in. So there's a lot of aggravation, really. Yeah. So that was a bad move. But I was very lucky. You How old are you at this point? The early, mid-30s. So you cashed out, started you're just trying yeah, to do I lots of things. Yeah, I did various things. Yeah, I had property company. And anyway, very luckily, one of the big supermarkets came along and bought the building. So. You, but you like, had it been another few months later, you might have gone, have it for well, free. Well, so I, I, got, I got my money out of that. I was very lucky. You do need a bit of luck. There's no doubt about it. So you just mentioned something about five or six business. What do you think about people who have lots of different companies? Can that work? And how does that work, do you think? Well, I, I tried it. And funny enough, my wife, Wendy, she, she said, why, don't, why are you trying to do this? Why don't you just be the best? at what you are and we actually went through the numbers and she said you know if you did this and put that amount of effort would you make the money and she convinced me that I was trying to be this all-encompassing businessman why not just focus on what you know you're good at and be the best and that's what now, we does did. being the best mean being the biggest um, no uh, in our business all about providing quality of care if you provide the best quality of care, then your occupancy should be the highest, and you should be able to charge as you know better fees, so make more money. So we we often think you know do we want to be the biggest? So let's take examples like Uber. Are they the best? I don't know, but they're definitely the biggest. Yeah. So they've got the biggest, but they leverage themselves so much. For example, and they've got so much debt behind them, and they've got investors and. Someone's got, it's either going to crash and implode or it's going to work for everyone. That's one, that's biggest. Can you be the biggest and best? I don't know if you can. And I think some people, and I, I think you're absolutely right, I've got friends of mine, and you must have it when you meet people, and I was a bit guilty of this. What do you do? And you go, well, I'm in care homes or I say I'm in private jets. And then you might reel off a bunch of other things that you do, but you don't really, because you cannot, unless... You're an investor, right? And you've got a small shareholding in lots of different yeah, companies. Well, that's, di that's, different. that's different. But you cannot run multiple companies. I just don't believe it. I, I would agree. So I think um, I think it's the best advice, be the best. That, that's I've heard that a few times. I think that's definitely the best. I mean, being the biggest, I don't know how you can do that in every business. but well, I think to grow. But again, with growth, you know, you talked about scaling up. You have to have the systems that are in place to run that business. That's important. And the bigger the business, you know, it's a bit, going back to the Abbey National days, the guy, I remember one of these courses, the guy saying to me, you know, you're in a little speedboat bobbing around and you can whiz over there and whiz there. But now, you know, I've got super tanker. I need three miles to turn left. <laughs> it, it takes time. I yeah. can't just make those speedboat decisions anymore. No. So as the business gets bigger, you have to be more strategic. You have to think about things a lot more and it's going to take time. So, how is your business set up? You've got you at the top and your sons. Yeah. Let's call that, I suppose you're the owners. And then how, how does it work down? Do you have a CEO who looks on after everything or a managing, CEO? Or... Managing director, regional. Yeah, I mean, finance directors, recruitment, 
marketing. Um, now, when you're hiring those people, at one point you were every one of those jobs, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. So you're every one of those jobs, you're pushing along, and let's say you're starting to make good money. To go and hire a CEO, COO, um, an MD, let's call it £100,000 a year. Yeah. If you hire those three, that £300,000 is now not in your pocket. How, you have to have the faith, right? But how do you know you're doing the right decision? Yeah, well, That's a, a hard one, yeah, isn't it? There's a balance in there. So, so maybe the first thing you do is employ the, the MD. And the MD takes a lot of the basic, you know, SH1T stuff off you to allow you back to the, can't say the wood for the trees, yeah. to give yourself some space, to give yourself some time, to sit back and look free up that time maybe you can get more work more contracts improve and increase your business um, then a finance director the might be the next now there are steps you don't have to to scale up that quickly you can do it in stages mm -hmm. and you're you're absolutely right you are going to lose some of the profits yourself but you know you've got to do that in order to grow is there a single best hire that someone who's growing their business from one man band or one woman band what's the first second third hire they should be making i think a managing director is the most important so managed director so that's someone to so you there's you and then you just want to get someone else who's going to be managed director yeah who's going to do the legwork the managing director yes what about sales accounts well they should be responsible for everything shouldn't they so then I mean, the if you, MD if you've would got then sales, hire sales. If you've got salespeople, they would report to the MD. I mean, you're going to work closely with the MD. You know, They are going to send you daily reports. You're going to speak to them all the time. But it's just going to free you up and take you away so you can think more strategically. Are you, were you always tight with your numbers? Did you always understand Always. That? I am now. I know the numbers like you know. Could idea. you do, if you were to write a book, right, and this is actually probably quite a salient thing to do with the podcast, could you give one, two, three, four, five tips? Things you have to do and get right from the offset. Do you know what they are now? Probably. And a lot of them would, would be very, fairly boring. That's <laughs> so, okay. If this is what you get for boring, we're doing all right, aren't we? So what what gone? What would they be? Communication is very important. I mean, when you sit down with banks, you know, you've got to be straight. You've got to... If you say to them you're going to do X by a certain amount of time, and you say, "Oh God, I'm about," but then ring them up, speak to them, and say to them, "Look, I'm, you, I told you I would do this." In fact, it doesn't matter whether it's banks; it's matter with anybody. The most frustrating thing in the world is when somebody says to you, "Oh, I'll let you know by Friday," and of course nothing happens. Yeah. But if you don't have the information by Friday, ring them up and say, "Look, I was going to. I'm sorry." Okay. Various things have happened, and it's now going to be next. So many expectations, aren't you? At that point? Yeah. But how many people don't do that? I, I'm with you. I mean, it's it's a hard one when you get an email and you don't respond straight away. But I always think if you've got an email which is important to someone, you can reply, look, I can't get to it well, today. that's not quite what I'm saying. I'm saying following up on what you say you're going to do. I mean, that's my second part of it. I think Sorry. It's, it's two, no, no, it's not at all. But I think, yes, it's communication. So I, if, someone, if you say to someone, look, I have a contract back for you tomorrow and it isn't done, tell them. It's going to take an extra day. Tell them why. I'm so snowed under, I haven't got this. If you have to embellish, that's fine. But I do agree, don't leave people hanging. Make the call. Make the call. And I think a lot of people don't pick up the phone and do it. 
and I and I don't I find that the best communicators. I was on a phone call. I, funny enough, I was driving up today with Scott, and we know someone who's exceptionally wealthy, but also really disorganised, and to the point where it's actually unenjoyable to work with him, and we can't work with him, even though we think we could do loads together, because he doesn't pick up the phone. And when he says he's going to call you, he doesn't. Well, how annoying is that? He's successful. But I, I think he's probably, uh, you know, doing himself a disservice because both, both Scott and I now wouldn't recommend him. Well, there you go. Crazy, isn't it? What else you got? So, communication. Um, you uh, don't, don't, don't stick your head in the sand. Deal with the problem. We talked about this earlier. Deal with the problems. Deal with them on a daily But Make sure you've got a tidy table. Deal with things as they come up. Don't allow things to fester. Okay. Cut Give me an example. Well, we've all got problems in our business, but we, we've all got a bit of on the desk and you just keep <laughs> shoveling that over there and say, well, don't do that. <laughs> Deal okay, with I'll it. Get that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, is, it, is, there a, is there a way you approach a day? Have you got any like tips to a day? Are you an early riser? No, not really. Were you an early riser? Not particularly. Is there, is there, is there I, a... I, when I was young, I never slept. I didn't sleep for about... Five years. That's just a drug habit, wasn't it? Well, <laughs> why did you not sleep? Because I couldn't stop thinking about work. From age twenty-five. So you didn't need to get up early because you always grow. Age twenty-five to thirty, I just I didn't sleep. Well, I might I'd go I'd, I'd pretend to go to sleep. I'd get to sleep about five o'clock in the morning. I'd sleep till past six, and then wake up feeling terrible. Yeah. And that, and was, it, and that was about five years. You just because you're so excited and you're so driven and you, you're just. That's amazing. Yeah. Is there is there any practices that you still adopt now? which you think you might see other people not doing that you wish they did. So you said communication. Mm. You said dealing with you know problems, don't let them. Is there something you do every day which you feel like that gives yeah, you Yeah, I'll tell edge? you what I do. I, oh. wake, I wake up every morning and I say, am I happy? Do you really? Yeah, every morning I say, am I happy? Do I need to change? Because to me, whether it's talking about money, success, but at the end of the day, we're ultimately... I believe trying to be happy, want to be happy people. Now, if money makes you happy, then that's that's fine. Make the money. But if, as you said, if you're making money and you're not happy, you need to address that. I address that every day. Am I happy? If I'm not happy, what can I do to make myself happier? Okay. How are you this morning? Um, I was bit sort of in trepidation about doing this but it's it's been quite quite and did uh, you and so you're in trepidation right. so let's call that b minus <laughs> let me come back to the other one yeah cut your cloth according you've got to cut your cloth i mean that's people invariably live above their means don't they that gets them into financial trouble mm. you've got to cut your cloth your business is bad don't stick your head, well, head in the sand you know if you've got to live on beans on toast for six months well you're going to live Have on you had those on moments toast. where you've had to do that? Well, we've all had to cut back. No. So when you say cut back, you just haven't... How would you cut back? I could... Well, come on, we could all cut back. Easily, we could all cut back. And and sell stuff. Well, for me, I would have to sell stuff. Have you ever had to sell stuff? Yeah, I've had to okay. sell stuff, yeah. So that's great, because a lot of people have the ego, they won't do that, because keeping up appearances, right? Mm. You must have seen this before. That's what I'm you're, saying. Yeah. But I think that's quite hard when you... Why? Why shouldn't it be hard? That's really Because I think some people come from perhaps no money and they have families who now are enjoying the trappings. I'm not saying... I'm a bit like this, truthfully. My parents aren't impoverished by any means, but 
But I do think that I've seen it with friends where they like to treat their friends and family. And they get to a point where they're almost expected to. You must see this, right? Yeah, yeah. And it, and I, I dare I say, Mark, at some point, I imagine people have done the same to you. Yeah, sure. Um, and it gets to a point where, I don't know, you want to keep that going. It's unrealistic. It is unrealistic. Well, not if you keep the wealth coming in. Okay, yeah. But cut your cloth. To the point of being frugal or just adapting? Depends how bad things are. Mm. But be realistic. No, don't ignore the numbers. Yeah. Don't ignore the numbers. You know, you've got to pay the tax bill, much as we all hate to. Mm. And if you haven't, you know the way it works. You make a bit of money, business takes a downturn, in comes a tax bill. Yeah. You, you've got to manage your, your finances sensibly. You've got to be realistic. Did you have a formula or a system where you know what's going on? Did you look, do you know I've the numbers every the, day? I know the numbers. I'm, Could I'm, you tell me now what every care home, well, yeah. every care, but roughly what the income is each day? Oh, I could tell you almost what the food costs are every is day. Is that right? At once, I mean, I would know what the water costs are. I, I, I've got a lot of information. Now that's, but can I argue something, which I, I read a lot about and I do understand, is bandwidth. You've only got so much space in a day to deal with stuff. If you've got an FD, why do you need to know the numbers? Is it because you care? Is it because you probably shouldn't know it? Oh, because your FD gets things wrong as well. Right. And I don't... I, I'm, do you, I mean, like, to prove, do you my, like to know more than the no, FD? No, it's a bit of, my, a bit of a downfall. Is that I, I've got an idea what the numbers should be before they come in anyway. Right. And if they're not what I think they should be, then I, I'll go in. But I don't trust... You know, just because you've got... a chartered accountant we're talking about in this mm. they still make mistakes yeah. people make mistakes of course it's my money so we've got don't very head in the sands don't leverage yourself too thinly um, communication anything else we can suggest yeah. well I like, I like oh I like the the mantra am I happy in the morning yeah I do like that do you, do you ever take stock like that I mean okay you got the morning do you ever look out and stuff and go Christ I'm it's pretty good all the time. All the so time. with that... Sustainability is the other one. Sust you've got to get yourself... I had this conversation with a young guy who's actually doing the building work here. Yeah. 38, nice guy. And, uh, you know, he's, he's under a lot of pressure. And I said to him, he's got a big, good business, making quite a bit of money. I said, how long can you do this for? In the way you're doing it. Well, because he's working such long hours. Yeah, and he's and you could see he's, he's still he's doing under, a lot of under pressure. The work, maybe. He's under pressure, right? And I said, I, you sat here now having a coffee with me, and I can see you wanting to get off, and you think I've got those hundred telephone calls to make, but I really want to, you know, talk Sit to with, Mark, and yeah. and that's this catch twenty two, isn't it? But again, but you've got to be sustainable. Getting that right balance in life. Going back to when I said I didn't sleep, I actually made myself ill. I was ill, uh, had colitis. Right. And um, I, I really had to take a look at myself because I said, you can't not sleep for five years. Does that affect your uh, relationship with Wendy as well and the kids? I, well, I, I, I'd well? almost, I, I, I can hardly remember Wendy being there. And that's a terrible thing to say. <laughs> wow. But I was that focused, that focused on business. Or Luke. I just, it doesn't you know. sound like you've let up. I mean. No, no, no. I'm, it's, it's, I was, it wasn't a good, I wasn't in a, you know, Physically, I would have not been here if I'd have continued to work at that at that rate and worried that much. Yeah. Do you still worry? Are you a worrier? No, no I'm not a worrier. 
I suppose when you stare down, I imagine you've had moments with HMRC, you've had moments with all types of people. Once you stare down once, those inspectors, ah, nothing, right? Problems to be dealt with. Problems to be dealt with. Is there a way to attack a, a, a problem? Well, honesty. You've got to be honest about the problem. Be realistic. Be hit it, hit it head on, and um, not ignore it. Well, not ignore it. There you go. That's not don't. Which is going it. back to what you said. It was quite simple. Don't be head in the sand, right? With problems, yeah. sort those stuff out at your desk quickly. Is is right? So we we we've had incredible success. You mean you've got multi million pound business, big profits, good trappings. Is there one that got away? Is there is there a business that? Oh, and, I think... and, and, and I don't. Think people need to dwell on it, but is there something that's happened where you went, "Fuck, that could have been the one." Yeah, that 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 time of um, com not complacency, but that time of between thirty-five and whatever it was, 40, that five I think years, said forty-three. Yeah, well, five, six, seven, eight years where I probably should have bought a lot more businesses. How many more would you have bought? Double. What would the numbers be like on those? Well, double. <laughs> What is your turnover at the moment? Turnover. Well, I, I don't want to. I don't want to share numbers. Okay. And you're a partnership. Well, you're a limited company, so we'll find out on company's <laughs> house anyway. But the um, so that's so that's once again. You said two things to me. One, you said enjoying what you've got, the trappings. But then, I suppose it's enjoying it at the right time when you've got the enthusiasm and the energy, and you know what you're doing. Maybe you should keep pushing on, right? Hmm. It's interesting, and but now you're pushing on again. So it's always like, what are we looking at? Twenty years. Yeah, later? but I'm lucky now, aren't I? Because I've got two sons. I said, well educated, ambitious. You know, they've got families themselves, so they're they're they're, they're they've got a good mindset, and and we're a good team. You know, we're very lucky. We work well together. We've had our moments, and you've got to uh, still be that father and son. I think that's one of the dangers of family business. Mm. You you work together. All you're doing is talking about business, and what about dad? What about Mm. Son. Well, and also, well, I don't think it's that bad because you go on family holidays all the time. We do, we do. And I, I, I do love Mark. I mean, do you remember the time at the was it the christening or the wedding when you rode your horse through the kitchen? <laughs> when people don't know, Mark, did you ride a horse Bare, bareback? <laughs> it's um, it's quite something to witness someone in their own castle riding a horse through a kitchen. I mean, so you've got to say you have fun, right? We have a lot of fun. What's the? Okay, let's let's wrap it up shortly, but. What's kind of the best advice that you've been given? So you say paddle upstream, paddle, keep paddling, forget yeah. that. What have you been given that's resonated with you from someone, a mentor perhaps? Um, that's a good question. Lots of, lots of advice. Keep control of your finances. Mm. Um, I mean, I, it's, what, I, I, there was a time when I, I have a saying when people who, people who are pleased with themselves and there was a time as a young a young man, but I was a bit sold out. I was a bit pleased with myself, and that you know that that pretty pretty poor. I think you've got to be keep your feet on the ground and um, uh, be be realistic, be be caring, be a family person, be honest, be a good citizen. You know. There's a great expression that um, I saw. Why was a documentary? It was about Steve Jobs, and it. Or maybe it's another big, you know, multinational company. But it wasn't when they were multinational, by the way. It was when they were younger, growing. And it said, stay hungry, stay foolish. Right? So, not too pleased with yourself. You still realise you can learn. 
And that's always resonated with me. And that's exactly what you just kind of said, you know, don't be too pleased with yourself. I mean, I, I've, 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 I've met a lot of um, very successful people and I've, I've met a lot of people with very, very old money. And um, most of them are, are nice people. You know, I think they, they, they are good people and they have good values and they want to, to do the right thing. So could you, society. I mean, could you literally pick out anyone who's successful has the same, you know, kind of common thread running through them? I think most people are. are At which point people. does it not occur? Is it when you're a billionaire? Is it when you've got a thousand pounds? What is it? Because I, I'll be honest with you, obviously doing what we do, we have a lot yeah, of different we, clients. I've seen some outrageous behaviour, like nasty behaviour. What sort of, were they younger people? Tight. Tight. I, 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 when I mean tight, I mean trying to get a deal at the expense of someone making a livelihood. So we all have a margin. If someone screws your margin so tightly, they don't need to screw the margin. They mean, A, they don't value you, um, or B, it's not very nice, because you have to accept that people can, you shouldn't always win on every single deal. Does yeah. that make sense? Yes, exactly. And I, and I see that, and I see some people are really, I'm all about all the rich list billionaires, and those who are like it, they're not on the same level of wealth. And I, I don't know the answer, but, I, I do think, you know, you've got to look after people on the way up. And, and I do think, this one person in particular, I won't say who it is, I've heard it from 10 or 12 people, the same thing about them, that people won't work with them now. Well, we're back to, are they happy in the morning when they wake up? Would you suggest they're not happy? If they're behaving like that, not. Do you know, do you know what the loveliest thing is, Mark? Every time I see you, you've got a smile on your face. Like, always. Well, so your life's been pretty good I've, so far, hasn't it? I've tried to... I try to be happy. That's... Will you retire? No. Don't Do your boys to... know this? No, I'm no interest in retiring. <laughs> Do the boys know about it though? No, that's another thing. You've got to stay physically fit. You know, I run with Luke. And yeah, I know you I do. I, was good. Gym, I should have asked you about exercise. So that's why I wanted to know about your yeah. routine. So you still exercise every yeah, day? Yeah, I run and I run and I, I ride. You know, I ride. I probably ride 20, 30 hours a week. Wow. So, so that's important as well. Fitness. Um, we talked about. You know, mm. you, you've got to physically fit is mentally fit. I like it. Listen, um, Mr. Mark Gilbert, thank you so much for chatting with us. Um, it's been amazing to know more about your life, actually, because we've known each other probably 15 years and I've never really got to get this deep with you. So um, where can we? Where can people listen to this, send their mums and dads? Have you got a website they can go and log into and send them to be the, the best service in the world? Listen, I, I just got my own. I do what I do and I've always been my own person. Is there a website they can go look at to put their, their family into these retirement villages? Oh, Dovehaven Care Homes. Unassumed.com? .co.uk. Oh, he's, he's, he's very British, is our Mark. Um, thank you, Mark. You've been listening to Ball by the Horns. I'm Giles Vickers-Jones. We're sponsored by Shy Aviation. This has been one of my favourite podcasts, so thank you, Mark. Thanks for listening, guys.